irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You are indeed, but Mr. Strolley is going to be joining us from Chicago today, On ladies location. and gentlemen. And That's in right. studio, in his place, we have the very talented Andrew David James. Thank you, Michael. Good to see you again. Absolutely. Nice to see you too, Andrew. Um this is a, a, a special noted day, of course, in the city of Los Angeles. The Oscar nominations came out this morning. Did those come out? Yeah, they did indeed. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about that a little later in the program. But why don't we start off by thank, thanking our sponsors, Andrew. We'd like to thank sponsor our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. And to learn more about Breakdown Services, visit BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to our live arts calendar. We are indeed. Mike Napoli over there and his crew run a great site. It is the kind of the really true go-to site, as we say here, uh, for all things uh, interesting to do here in Southern California. Good people and great work. Absolutely. We have a very special edition of State of the Arts today, special in the sense that our own Paul Strolley, as I said, will be joining us from Chicago with a guest, Claire Simon, one of Chicago's most distinguished casting directors, who will be sharing her thoughts about the business of casting. And speaking of Chicago... Indeed. <laughs> We have yet another Chicagoan right here with us in studio here in L.A., actor, director, author Kevin Tice, who will be discussing his very successful 2012 book, Confessions of a Transylvanian, which, she is, in, which is enjoying a resurgence here during the 40th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So welcome. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, fellas. It's great yeah. to be here. A Transylvanian. Yes, indeed. Yes. That's <laughs> what a great you, title. That's how you start off when you join the Rocky Horror Show uh, live on the weekends. You you start off as a Transylvanian and you work your way up. You know, you and I chatted a little bit here and there about it, but boy, what a family that is. I it mean, is. Rocky Horror people are connected across the country, Michael. It's, it's I absolutely know. amazing. I know. And they wear the clothes and the whole thing to the to the uh, showing of the film. That's yeah, right. As I often say, it's not called a cult film for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of uh, like uh, Little Shop of Horrors has kind of that same sentiment to it, I think, when audiences go to see it over and over again. Very much so. But before we uh, uh, hear uh, Paul's interview with uh, Miss Simon, and before we continue our conversation with Kevin, how was your week, Andrew? Thank you for asking. A good week. It was uh, a little bit crazy. I took the kids up to Lake Arrowhead. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we found Did it snow while you were there? It's funny. It didn't snow while we were there, but there's a foot and a half of snow the night before. So we got up there, and it was absolutely beautiful. Kids went sledding, and everybody had a good time. We rented a cabin, and uh, it was a good time, and it was definitely time to get away and relax a little bit after our vacation from the holidays, which is always more exhausting than anything else. <laughs> right, of course. And did you have a, uh, were you in Lake Arrowhead uh, we on the lake? Right there on the lake. Um, it was a, a walking distance from the docks. Of course, the lake's huge and there's houses all along there. Yeah. And we just rented a cabin from a, from a small group. Had a really yeah. good time. 
It's very nice. And the kids, uh, it wasn't, wasn't their first time in the snow, was no, it? No, it wasn't their first time, although this was each year they get more and more able, and they were able to go over to a small park and do some sledding, which they absolutely fell in love with. And Daddy did some sledding, too, so I'm still a little sore from that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and what, where was Mommy? Mommy time? was cooking a lot and in the cabin quite oh, a bit. Was, she bless. went out there. I got her on the sled one time. Yeah. Uh, and at one point, we tried to do the Daddy lays down on the sled, Mommy lays down on Daddy, and then Katie lays down on Mommy, and then Caleb lays down on Katie, and we went down, and we went over a bump, Wow! and I realized that I'm not 20 years old anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good time, good time with family, and nice kind of recouping and introduction to 2016. Good for you. How was your week, Michael? It was great. Thank you for asking. It was uh, week two of LA's Next Great Stage Star. Wow. Which, Kevin, is a uh, an annual musical theater competition that I produce every year here in Los Angeles. Awesome. It is awesome, and... and uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it's our anniversary, 10 years hmm. this year doing this. And uh, I never would have thought we would have been around 10 years later. But uh, in that time, 14 of the contestants who have passed through this competition have all now made their Broadway debuts wow. and or off-Broadway debuts and or are working in in um, theater in one form or another in New York. Wow. And while another 85 or so are working in U.S. national tours, mm-hmm. Of uh, of great musicals and in regional theater and on television, et cetera. So it's a it's a launching pad for those kids that, especially those who are coming out of universities and perhaps majoring in musical theater and or minoring in it. Um, and they don't they get taught a beautiful education, but once they get out that door, they don't know what to do with this. No. no, it's because they're in the real world, sure. and it's how to get to that next step. And we provide that for them. Basically, twenty-four of my uh, friends who are all in the hierarchy of producing Broadway musical theater here in in Southern California run through this competition as judges in smaller panels of like four a week, and then huh. now are there eliminations during the second week? No, there's no eliminations until the sixth week, the sixth and final week. They all sing for the last time, and upon that last sing, 15 of them go. Hmm. They're eliminated. Wow. And five remain. Mm -hmm. And then those five have to go head-to-head again. You know, there needs yeah. to be a course on the practicality of getting into the business. Colleges need to teach that because we go to these schools, we pay $100,000 to get out with an education, and we come out and all we know is, hey, go try to get an agent. You yeah. know, there's no there's no network for finding a way to really build a career in the arts. You have to go out and you have to just fight and push. And mm-hmm. some people don't have the makeup for it. And I think we sacrifice some really good artists by not giving them that. I, I would take that class. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> I agree. I'd go back and take it right How now. How to make it absolutely. in the business? I would absolutely take that class. <laughs> should teach that, Michael. Yeah, yeah well. I don't know about me teaching it, but this is a, is a for you know what I'm doing here. I think it is almost a master class because of the comments that these judges give to these kids after their performance. It's patterned after an audition, yeah. But the performance is very produced, and by us and uh, these kids, uh, you know, if they remain open minded, which most of them are very hungry for this information, because these are the very people that they can't get in front of any other sort of way until they've got the agent and, and the credentials. Right. Um, but they, you know, they're very, we had a, a, one judge this week was kind of uh, tough on a lot mm. of them. Wow. And, you know, it was tough love, but right. it was very nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he kind of, you know, introduced himself as being, hey, you know, I'm going to really kind of say it like I really, you know, feel. Wow. And, uh, and he did it. He's one of our leading artistic uh, director that producers That can be here. as valuable as anything else. Certainly yeah. was, because yeah. when he... Loved what he saw. He said that. If he yeah. didn't, he, you know, talked about that too. Mm-hmm. So, at any rate, uh, 
so we're in uh, coming up this weekend, week three of the six, and and uh, there we go. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Did you get to see the Oscar nominations? I did not. That was too early for me. I was out too late <laughs> last night at, uh, with my friend from London. Yeah. So uh, did you watch it? I did a little bit. In fact, I, I, I always Google it when I get up and see how far in it is. And, of course, the kids wake me up nice and early. So I did catch a little bit of it. But um, I thought they were. I thought the nominations were very interesting this year. I thought they were fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was very pleased that Martian's doing as well as it is, although I'm not sure that it's a musical comedy like the Golden Globes were saying. That was so weird. That was such a strange thing. I couldn't yeah. figure out how it got delineated that way. I have no idea. All right. Well, we're going to talk about that uh, midway through the show and talk about some of the choices that were made by the uh, Academy. But uh, in right now, uh, Andrew, uh, why don't we throw this over to Paul and bring him on board? So Now, this Paul person that you speak of, Michael, what, what, <laughs> what kind of man would you say he is? Would you say tall, <clears throat> well-voiced? Timid, shy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course, Paul Strolley in Chicago, the kind, the smart, the articulate, and the guy who let me sit in his chair for a few weeks. And he's Paul also Strolley. a very, you know what, unbiasedly, he is a very... Very good actor. That's and, true. Uh, I have known this about Paul from the day that, that we met because that's how I met him. I, I handled uh, his business in a very successful show uh, called originally called Renaissance Geek here in Los Angeles. So I think Kevin and I talked about that. Indeed, I, I have known Paul uh, for uh, 30 years, so mm-hmm. I would love to have a chance to opine on him a little bit when we come back. He's yeah. an awful person. No, <laughs> he's one of my favorite people in the world. So one of my things that I always noticed about Paul was that he always is doing something with his hands. He's either juggling or working or trying oh, yeah. to do no, it's, it's never, it never yeah. stops. Never yeah. stops. Also a very good interviewer, as we'll see here. Paul, yes, would you indeed. be so kind as to take it away? Okay, thank you, Michael and Andrew. I'm uh, grateful for that introduction. I am in my adopted home of Chicago, as you know. And as you may or may not know, the Ardios Awards are fast approaching. These are awards that are presented by the Casting Society of America, and they honor originality, creativity, and the contribution of casting in film, television, theater, and Internet projects. Today, I'm joined by one of the busiest casting directors in the country, who's been nominated for two 2016 Ardios Awards, one in the dramatic television series category for the TV show Empire, and also in the Eastern Regional Theater category for Carousel. In addition to what I just mentioned, other, her other projects include Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Unexpected, Ali, School of Rock, Contagion, Man of Steel, and what I can only describe as a ridiculous amount of live theater. It's a pleasure to welcome Claire Simon to State of the Arts. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. Hi. So Hi, glad, to ha- glad to, I would say, have you here, because normally I have people in the studio, but it's good <laughs> to be here, because... I'm glad we, to have you here. These are uh, new digs for you, huh? Yes, they certainly are. We've been here since... Uh, September. Okay. Yeah. They're really nice. Thank you very really, much. It's not, it's not the L.A. casting office, I'll tell you that. The L.A. casting office that I'm used to seeing out there is not nearly, this is We'd palatial. Like to think of it as our casting castle. Yes. The casting <laughs> castle, okay. Um, as I mentioned uh, in your introduction, Claire, you're nominated for two projects this year. One is an acclaimed television show, and the other is an I- iconic musical. Now, aside from uh, the manic pace of television casting turnaround, how you usually have to cast and and get people, you know, on the set quickly versus theater where you might have a little more time. Aside from that element, does anything else change in terms of your casting process? I don't mean in terms of, like, obviously with uh, theater and TV and film acting being distinctly different, but in terms of your process, in terms of seeing actors, does anything change between those two? Um... 
Well, I mean, aside from looking for the different kind of skills that we're looking for, um, right. you know, the, the theater process, like you said, is I, we have more time. Like when we did Carousel, we have like, they they give us a heads up six months in advance. So oh, we do, wow. We just, that's not always how <laughs> Believe me. Okay. Usually it's maybe two or three weeks, but gotcha. we, have, we have more time. We have more time to do a ton of pre-reads. You know, like when I do... Um, TV, we'll get the script on Monday. We'll have our casting concept call on Wednesday. We have our first session on Friday. So, okay. So I'll have maybe one day to read a bunch of new faces for particular roles. So there's not as much time to um, do pre-reads. Um, we're obviously looking for a different skill set when we bring somebody in for a musical than when we bring someone in for TV. Right. Um, you know, I, I think my process is aside from the time and the specific skills I'm looking for is always the same. It's like we get the project, we try to get as much of the director's vision as we can so we know exactly what he's after right. and then we dig in, you right. know, and um, as much time as I have to meet new people and bring new faces in, I do. Okay. You know? So, um, and then we, you know, so I would never put someone in front of a director that I hadn't personally seen before. Um, right. and, and then with TV... Like with the theater, I think a difference also is like for one role, I might bring 12 or 15 people per role to see a director. And with TV, it's like five. Oh, okay. So it's very specific. You know, like for instance, uh, Chicago PD, this this episode, we have 20 roles. Um, and they have scouting and wardrobe and a million other, other things they have to do. So we make it compact. We, you know, and their attention span is shorter. So gotcha. I, I can't bring in a thousand people for them. No, but that's good for people to know, especially young actors. A question I'm going to ask shortly is about uh, we do have a, a lot of young actors who listen to the show. To, to know going in, not, not that it would really affect their preparation, it should always be as prepared as possible. Right. But to know that, you know, it's, it's not, you know, five of you up for this it, it, the stakes are raised quite frankly I mean it, it's a it's it's almost like uh, you know getting through to you're, you're, you're basically at your callback if there's that few people you mean for TV yeah for oh yeah, yeah yeah you know I tell young actors all the time like it's so easy I mean obviously you come in and either get the role or you don't and if you do you're excited if you don't you're like not happy yeah um, but you really have to pay attention to how many times you get called into a casting director's office right. because if you come in initially um, for pre-read and then you get called back in for the actual audition that means someone thinks you can you have a shot yeah. I mean I'm not gonna out of the whole city of Chicago I'm not gonna bring in five people I don't know and don't have faith in so right sure well so, it reflects on you yeah, yeah. so somebody yeah because that's my art those yeah. actors are my art. Yeah. So so five people come in, so that your chances are pretty good. And then if you're called in repeatedly, even if you didn't get the job, that means you did a good job. Somebody noticed, and somebody has faith in you. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, I clung to that for years because when I was here in Chicago twenty years ago, when I lived here. Uh, it was 11 times Jane Alderman had me in before I got on Untouchables. Right, right. So it was 11, and I was like, I'm Italian. It shouldn't take me 11 right, right, times right, right, to right. get to Untouchables. Well, you have to understand also is like, um, I started out as an actor too, and um, um, all I knew is if the phone rang or didn't. Right. If it didn't ring, I was a complete failure. <laughs> and if it did ring, everything was going to be great. Right. Um, but what, what goes on after the people leave, like you might have five people in and they might have all kicked ass. You know, they might have been all fabulous, but 
And, and I think one person's fabulous, the director really likes somebody, the producer likes somebody else, and then right. somebody goes, he looks too much like our lead. Right. Or our lead is five foot seven and he's six foot five, it's going to look ridiculous. It right. comes to things that have nothing so, to do with your talent. Well, yeah, exactly. And things you have absolutely no control over exactly. either. There's so many variables. And I think that another thing for young actors is that, you know, not getting the role is not an indictment of your personal talent. No. You I, just don't fit the suit in that particular... And I can't tell point. you how many times we'll have a session and somebody will be amazing and they'll be like we can't use him because he's too young too tall too you know whatever right. the case may be or we just cast Robert De Niro's son right. <laughs> please please make a note so we don't forget about that actor right. please make sure we bring him in again because he's fabulous I mean that happens all the time you okay. know or, or they'll come in and go what about that one kid that we saw that time that you know yeah oh yeah so, oh no people I'm, and we hear that story all the time people that you know there's no you know an audition uh, is always an opportunity. Right. If you don't get it, it's just a time to meet, a time to talk, right. a time to show your skills, even if they don't, exactly. even if they don't match up. Uh, is it more common for during the casting process? Uh, uh, let's stick with TV because we have so uh, so little time. Um, is it more common that you know exactly what it is you're looking for before the people come in, or like how much freedom is there to be moved and have the actor find you? Have, have, have there been real about faces that's such a good question (laughs) that's good um you know what i get a vision for what the director's looking for i mean i can't be all like willy-nilly i'm just gonna pick what i want to pick right because then nobody's the directors aren't going to trust me they're gonna be like what did she hear of her hearing aid off while we had our call so it's really important that i pay attention to what he's after but then i hear that and i mean it's sort of like when you i don't know when you I, the first thing that came to mind when you go to get a haircut and you're like, I don't know what I want. You tell, right. I, I sort of want this and that, but you tell me you're the expert. So I feel like, I feel like there's a great deal of area for creativity for me. You know, they tell me they want a certain thing and then I'll be, maybe like, well, I'm going to sneak this one person in because I've seen her in a million shows and she's a rock star. And oh, even wow. if it doesn't end up being that, they'll get to see her. So, and then uh, so many times the director will be like, Oh my God, I never even thought about that. Um, Especially in TV when there's so much that a director has to do in such a short period of time. Um, they definitely pay attention to casting, but I just think there's room for creativity. Yeah. So, and I think that hobbles a lot of actors too. I think a lot of times people go in, uh, actors go in and go, you know what, uh, it, this is what this role to be. Let me conform myself to right, fit this. Right. And they're not free to, to be uh, uh, true to, to their instincts. Right. And it's nice to hear that there's room for instinctual stuff. Well, and that's, not, that's all what it's about, yeah. is your truth, is how yeah. you would bring yourself to that particular role. Right. Oh, no, that's good to know. Good to know. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I was going to ask you for three suggestions, but we're light on time. So uh, as I mentioned, we're sponsored by Breakdown Service. A lot of young actors listen. What's your top suggestion for an actor coming in? The, the, if there's one thing, just like word association, what is the one hint that preparation. you... Preparation. Preparation. That's preparation. the word. Yeah. Is to be as off-book as possible. I know there are a million people with a million different opinions, but the fact of the matter is if you have your head in the paper, no one can see your face. If you are not familiar with what's going on and, and don't know it well enough that you can put the paper down, you're not free, your body's not free enough, right. and your mind is not free enough when the director says, okay, now I want you to do it upside down but blue yeah. and pink yeah yeah time. do it backwards without yeah. vowels now yeah, yeah. you freak out and you're like oh my god I don't know it well enough to like 
experiment and be flexible. So I would say to be as prepared as possible and to come in with a strong choice. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm willing to take the risks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an actor comes in that you feel very strongly about. You've seen them do stuff. They do great. They're representing you. They come in. They completely blow the audition. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Do you is it is never work in this town again? <laughs> never work in this no, town again. No. no, you know what? I heard this about you, Claire. <laughs> I'm horrible. <laughs> you know what? We have a whole thing on our wall that says we're on your side. Yes, which, I saw that coming in. Yeah. Which I have to tell you, we got more positive comments from actors, and I thought, oh, I should have done that in the beginning because I've been on their side for the last 19, almost 20 years. Um, we're, we're, I'm your greatest cheerleader. So yeah. if I know your work, and you came in, and you just got a flat tire, and you just gave a poopy audition that day, <laughs> yeah. we'll make sure you get back in. No, I would, no. If you if you come in and you have, you have a bad audition because you're hungover or because you didn't bother to look at the paper or you didn't read the Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a different situation. But if you have an, everyone has an off day. The best actors have an off day. Sometimes they like their tires are flat and they come rushing in and they're all sweaty and they're just off. And of course they call them back. What are you trying? What are you trying to say, Claire? <laughs> well, I look. I was a little winded from running here. Uh, the uh, but. Uh, you know, that's an interesting point, and I think, once again, to, to, to talk to the young actors listening, uh, I don't think they really understand what a cheerleader, that, you know, the, the casting directors want them to do well. They want to cast the role. There's this whole... I've, in, okay, let me say be. one thing. This will be empowering to actors. Okay. You guys are my art. That is what people hire me for, is, to, is to, so that I can go out and meet all kinds of actors, know what they can do, and bring in just a few of the best so they don't have to. So you guys are my art. So if you're not fabulous, if, if that you know, it, it's like a symbiotic thing, right? right so right. so I totally want you to be the best thing they've ever seen in the land when you walk in. And I can't even tell you how many times somebody's come in and has been off and they leave the room and I'll turn around and be like, guys, I just saw him in a show at Steppenwolf. He's right. a rock star. We should try again. We should give him another shot. So everybody in the room is hoping that you guys will solve their problem. That's a great, great note to uh, a great note and a great energy to end on, Claire. Thank you so much. Good. We're going to say it now again because we're going to save this sound by Claire Simon. Actors are her art. That's the way we're going to button yes, it. Yes, there you go. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Claire, for taking the time sure. uh, with us here on State of the Arts. And uh, we're gr- very grateful for what you've done. And once again, congratulations on your Ardios Award nominations. Thank One you. more thing. I spoke to Gary Marsh from Breakdown Services uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Breakdown Services sponsors our program. And he mentioned that uh, there were 43,000 projects released through Breakdown <clears throat> Services last year. And when you look at the number oh, of... I didn't have 33,000. <laughs> Wait a minute. And, I got to talk to No, I, no. That's, <laughs> not That's not the point. The point is that there's so few RDOs Award nominations of those 43,000, and you really uh, deserve the congratulations. Oh, so uh, congrats, and uh, thank you all there in L.A. I will be back shortly, and uh, we will probably uh, chat with you next week. Sounds good, Paul. Thank, Thank you, you, Paul. Great Thank interview. you, Miss Claire. Indeed, and uh, accolades indeed. Those are some great shows she's done. Some really yeah. Good yeah, amazing. Talented lady. I read about her on her website uh, today. She's also got a great sense of humor about herself. Yeah, uh, yeah as we're talking to the, the the new space that they have in Chicago is just mind boggling. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. She's, you know what she's, she's missing, though? Well, it's referred me. to as the casting uh, <laughs> castle. Yeah, that's what she said, that's the right. casting yeah. castle. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed.
Good interview, Paul. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Hey, terrific. So where we, in this program, of course, everyone knows that we usually have our break for the live arts calendar, but we're going to have a little different discussion today uh, as we kind of touched upon it a little bit at the beginning of the show, and it's because of the uh, day being noted here in Los Angeles and, of course, across the world who pays attention to this day is the Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the 88th Academy Awards, and they were announced very early this morning. And uh, let's chat about this. I haven't seen all of the films, unfortunately. I don't know if you boys have, but... um, Did you have a favorite of what you had seen? Yes, actually. I I saw Trumbo, and I really loved that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and certainly um, the performances in it were awesome. Yeah, they really were. Oh, it's a great ensemble. And Spotlight yeah. was another favorite of mine. You know, yeah. Kevin was just saying that earlier as well. I agree. I haven't seen Spotlight. I thought Trumbo was amazing. I thought The Martian was really an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I thought for audience pleasing entertainment, it was as good as it got this year. I thought that was really enjoyable. Yeah, I, I saw The Martian. I loved it. I, th- I thought Mad Max Fury Road was another achievement. An absolutely mm-hmm. astounding film. I mean, how do you make an action road movie feminist? And it's it is it's a, it's this feminist fable. It's got strong women characters in it, yeah. and it's just incredible storytelling. Uh, but The Martian was my favorite film of the year until I saw Spotlight, and that Amazing. just wiped everything else off the board. And and by comparison, Spotlight's a rather simple film. You know, by comparison to what you were just talking oh, yeah. about, The Martian. Right? Yeah, but it, it's an ensemble film that has incredibly great writing oh, yeah. and disciplined directing. The, Huge. the storytelling is just incredible, mm-hmm. and it's, it's and a shocking. Message just oh yeah you know it really is uh, astounding yeah Uh, but boy oh boy I agree with you on that one and uh, and I think that could uh, have have uh, some action here don't Mm -hmm. you think so we should say really who the best picture nominees are Mm -hmm. just for those of you who might have missed it uh, with the uh, uh, those being the Big Short. Uh, the Cold War thriller, Bridge of Spies, the period drama, Brooklyn, which I have yet to see and really do want to see. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. And the high-octane action movie, Mad Max, Fury Road, the yeah. sci-fi adventure film, The Martian, which we're talking about. The Western thriller, The Revenant, the gut-wrenching, excuse me, gut-punching drama, Room. Did and you have the, a chance to see that, Michael? I did not. I, I did. It. That is a, it is gut-wrenching through. Is it really? Yeah. And the little kid in that. Is unbelievable. Tough to watch. Fantastic, yeah. and yeah, of watch. course the fact-based newspaper um, uh, film Spotlight, which we are also mm-hmm. just talking about. So those are the uh, six uh, nominees this year, mm-hmm. and uh, you can of course go onto your local newspapers and find this information listed on the other categories. Uh, you know, best actor, best director, best actress, and and so forth. And uh, I think it's it's pretty fair, at least from what. I can read here. Do you guys feel the same? I didn't see any shockers this year. Nothing that stood out as very strange. I had wondered. Um, well, you know, in the in the area of um, race, and you know, people of a different color being nominated. There again, we're in a very uh, strange year of what yeah. that hasn't mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, it's the second year yep. in a row. Actually, strange films this year as well. For that, you're right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there'll be any repercussions from that, but let's hope not. Yeah. Right. So uh, I love, see, the Oscars to me is like Christmas. You know, I wait for this day. And, I agree. Right? <laughs> and it's exciting and always go to an Oscar party and yep. voting is involved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I throw cocktails. an Oscar party every year in Chicago. We Do get, you? Yeah, we get 40, 50 people together. Yeah. And we have prizes and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. Do you have a pool of money people put in to vote or no? Not that you can prove. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> not, that's, not that's deductible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Shh. Yeah, exactly. 
But uh, so, uh, folks, the message here is go out to the movies. If you haven't seen any of these films, usually when this happens on this day, these films are brought back into theaters mm-hmm. for a limited amount of time. Since the Oscar telecast itself will, of course, be on February 28th, which is a Sunday night. So you want to check that out, mm-hmm. right? Awesome. All right. Well, we've had this delightful gentleman uh, in with us all day today talking with him, but we've never formally introduced we him. Should so, do that, Andrew, would you, you do that? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Our next guest has been an actor and director in Chicago, a writer and a producer for more than 20 years. He has performed at the Goodman Theater, Next Theater, Oak Park Festival, Lifeline, Theater Wit, the Irish Theater of Chicago, where he's an ensemble member. And as a director, he has worked at City Lit, Lifeline, CT20 Ensemble, the Irish Theater of Chicago again, Oak Park Festival again, and among others that he's been at. He's also been nominated for Joseph Jefferson Awards three times. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome Kevin Tice, as I find my applause button. Hang in there with me, buddy. Hold every, every... Hey. <laughs> you know, I would have been disappointed if you didn't do it, because when I listen to your show, I go, oh, I, I, that's so cool. Well, you know, and what I wanted to add to that, <clears throat> excuse me. This is what I'm excited about here is this This truly amazing, amazing book. Would you tell us a little bit about that, Michael? Yeah. Folks, we were going to say that, uh, of course, he's here today to discuss his very successful work uh, as also being the co-author of Confessions of a Transylvanian, as we mentioned at the top of the show, A Story of Sex, Drugs, and Rocky Horror. His previous works include adaptations of Thomas Haywood's Fair Maid of the West and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Sign of the Four, the latter in conjunction with Shanghai Low Theatrical both available through Dramatic uh, Publishing. So, as we said, Kevin Thies? Tice. 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 So sorry. I, I stumbled there, and I, I, knew it was, it. I knew it wasn't right. That's all right. And uh, at least I didn't say the is, right? <laughs> it, is, it is my burden to bear. Although i got to tell you, it's interesting because he says Tice, and I kind of think we could change it. Do you think we could go with Thies today just to kind of mess around with him a little bit? No? Make my father cry? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, we don't want to make out. your father cry. <laughs> i got to tell you, Kevin, it's interesting because you, you said you've worked in Chicago for a number of years, obviously. Many both years. Both in television and in theater, mm-hmm. which is one of the few towns in this country where you can make a living doing theater and television. I mean, L.A., New York, a little bit in Houston, but that's a rare place to live and a rare thing to get to do. Chicago, uh, I'll go to my grave saying Chicago is the best theater country, town, the city in the country because it, it's it's got more theater companies, it's got more arts going on, uh, and people work in it, you know. Uh, uh, Everybody I know who's any good does theater in Chicago if, right. they, if they care to do it. The opportunities there, and people work like crazy in theater in Chicago. Then that must also mean that the audiences are there to support the theater. Absolutely. Because it couldn't happen any other way. Yeah, and right? most of it's not-for-profit. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Most of it's not-for-profit theater companies, uh, regional theater. Even the big companies like Goodman and Steppenwolf and Northlight and the rest, uh, Court, they're, they're all uh, not-for-profit regional theaters. There's, uh, there's a lot of commercial companies mm-hmm. in town, too. But uh, Chicago Shakespeare Theater, all of them, they, they, they get foundation grants, they get all that kind of stuff, but it's all not for profit and uh, puts a lot of people to work. Yeah. Speaking of actors, you must know um, perhaps, well, I say this, but perhaps you know her, uh, Alexandra Billings. Of course, yes. Alexandra for Billings. For many years yes. in Chicago, uh, yeah. Who... Has she done anything since leaving Chicago? Yeah. Or... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm well aware that she's hit it very big out here. Uh, yes, yeah, she has. And, you know, even for myself, personally, I, I uh, hired her to headline for me at my supper club called 
which I have called mm-hmm. Sterling's upstairs at the Federal in I know well, North Hollywood. I know all about it. And when I hired her, this is the, the truth, I, her manager who lives in Chicago uh, called and emailed her video to me and I saw this most spectacular performance wow. from this mm-hmm. woman and had no idea about her background. I had only seen this performance. Wow. And on that very... Uh, just just with that, that was enough for me to see yes. And sure. I didn't knew nothing more about her. And then I learned that she, uh, her, her life, her very interesting, colorful, and very complicated life of uh, being a transgender, transgender um, female now mm-hmm. is, you know, like a book in itself. And then to have this amazing talent, this gift that she has as She's, a performer, yeah. as a singer, as an actress, yeah. as a teacher... I think she taught at uh, Steppenwolf, right? I, I, I'm unaware of her teaching career, but yeah. she, she's the quadruple threat. There's yes, nothing she, she can't do. And she yeah. is exciting to the point where you are holding on to something to get through this performance because it's so you don't want to miss any beat of anything that she's singing or saying. Yeah. People say the same thing about our radio show, Michael. That's I don't know true. If you know I've that. heard it. Holy I don't on. believe it, but I'll <laughs> accept it. Speaking of lives that would make an amazing book, tell me a little bit more about how you came up with the idea for Confessions of a Transylvanian. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, back in uh, 1982, when I was uh, 16 years old, uh, uh, I was living in Deerfield Beach, Florida, and uh, the Rocky Horror Show started playing at the local multiplex, and there was a, a midnight showing on Friday and Saturday nights, and I'd heard about it before uh, I went to see it, but I never, you know, I was 16. I wasn't allowed to go see an R-rated movie at midnight until right. then. And I went, and uh, I was knocked out by what I saw, and I joined the cast, and they were very welcoming, and I had t- t- almost two years of the most incredible experiences of my life, uh, meeting and getting to know these people and carrying on with these crazy adventures. Well, now, we should take just a moment and explain that while the movie's going on, the cast essentially recreates itself from audience members, right? I mean, there's people yeah. who come to see the show, who know the lines, through and through, and get up, and generally speaking, is it the same group every time? Does somebody yes. play a different part? No, you, you you have a cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it isn't just, for, uh, you, the the members of the cast come from the audience, but every week there's a set cast, and we have a cast manager who says, you're going to play this this week, you're mm-hmm. going to play, but it's usually the same people week to week until someone drops out. Um, and you do, you perform it right in front of the screen while the movie's running above your head. Right. And uh, uh, the it's it's teenagers mostly, but there's you know there's uh, the guys in the early twenties maybe uh, who, who stick around, and there's a couple older guys who maybe run <laughs> the lights, you know. Uh, but it's a it's a very strong cast of people, and you, you get to know them very 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 well. You and know, whenever you, I've seen one of these, the energy is amazing. Right. I mean, it's just everybody's so it's a live so performance and the film performance right. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But <laughs> but I mean, when you're when you're running around in your underwear with a bunch of seventeen eighteen year old girls and boys, you get to know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. Pretty fast, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 so we formed these friendships at the time that we we hoped would last forever, and they have. We're still in, all in touch, and we, we we go down every couple of years. And we have a reunion, and it's it's amazing. So about four years ago or so, uh, the, one of the guys who did the Rocky show with me, Ron Fox, uh, kept bugging me and bugging me. He said, "You know, we tell all these stories when we get back <laughs> together for these reunions. We should write these down. We really should." And and I I was busy. I was doing theater in Chicago. I was doing all kinds of stuff, and I kept putting it off. 
and finally went, okay, Ron, fine. And so we sat down and we started writing this. And it was really just going to be like a love letter to our friends. It was yeah. just simply going to be something that we gave them as, you know what, we, we should write all that stuff down that we'd always talked about and, uh, and recounted all these adventures. And then we, uh, we thought, well, this turned out kind of cool. Maybe we could get someone to publish it. And we found Berwick Court Publishing in Chicago. And they picked it up. And uh, Paul Strolley himself d- uh, designed the, the cover of the book, which looks terrific. Um, Indeed. And we put it out in 2012. And we kind of kept our fingers crossed. We hoped that it would catch on. And boom, people yeah. started buying it. And it's been, it's been a thrill. And uh, we're, we're very pleased with the success of it. And, uh, and, and now uh, I'm out here in L.A. actually trying to sell it as, to get it optioned as a whatever, as a film or a TV show. It certainly seems like from the clips I've read, there have been some great the little excerpts. It sounds like there's some great material for a film in there. It sounds like it'd be exciting and fun, ready-to-go drama. There's no doubt about that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's got everything. It's got teenage kids and fishnet stockings and, you know, <laughs> rock and roll music. I mean, it's, it's shovel-ready. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> shovel-ready. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, uh, we just, uh, Ron and I were in New York with our friend Kenny from the, from the Rocky Horror Show when we did it out in Florida uh, for the 40th anniversary Rocky Horror Convention in New York City. Wow. And it was absolutely thrilling. Uh, we got to meet Barry Bostwick and uh, Patricia Quinn, who played Magenta in the original show, and wow. Little Nell, who was, who was Columbia. And uh, uh, this past year, both Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick gave us quotes. Uh, they wow. blurbed our book. And That's so they're great. now on the new cover of the, the third edition. And we're just absolutely thrilled. That's uh, great. They're both cool people. Both. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love her. And uh, he's been a friend for a long time. He's terrific. Yes, he is. Tony Award winning actor. Yeah. You know, you, you do come any better than that. I told you I had a friend, David Patrick Taylor, who has an association with Rocky, was in one of the original cast and was an amazing, amazing talent. Everybody who I've met who's associated with a Rocky Horror Picture Show anywhere has always had just this incredible love of live theater. It's almost as if the movie was just an extension of their love for live theater, which I think is a fascinating thing. Well, it attracts... uh just about everyone to it because the one of the great things about Rocky Horror is the message which is don't dream it be it mm-hmm. right? right and so what that means I mean what it means when you're a teenager is you know, there's very few of us that are going to be the captain of the football team or head of the cheerleading squad or be the popular kids at school. There's always these sort of outsiders or the guys who feel like they don't belong and the, the people who are insecure or picked on or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just don't they just don't feel like they're in the mainstream, you know, and that's the majority of the people. And what Rocky Horror did was it gave a place for these people to go. You know, if you didn't feel like you belonged, you could go on the weekend and uh, hang out with these people and dress up in crazy clothes and jump around and do the time warp and and, and be free and nobody judged you and right. nobody said you couldn't be in the club and nobody kicked you out and mm-hmm. you were uh, uh, welcome there where you might not be welcome anywhere else, you know? And that's why they call it a cult movie, you know? And yeah. that's that's why it was. And that's why what you were talking about, about, about the once you're in it, you're in it for life. Right. <laughs> you're never you're never not a part of it, yeah. you know. Uh, and I had only done the show in high school for two years, but uh, we would go back, and every couple of years we'd have these reunions. And what brought us together as high schoolers continues to bring us together today. We still see all of our friends. What do you think who did the is show. is behind that, though? What, what is so 
what drives everybody to want to continue uh, being a part of this club, as you say? Yeah, I, I, I believe that what you were saying about it, uh, uh, it being a family. It's, I thought it was the nudity. Is it well, the family? The, the family's, nudity family's is a big draw. <laughs> the nudity is a big draw. Uh, but it's, it's funny. There's a whole section of the book where we talk about that, where we say what draws you to the movie to begin with is it's kind of dirty and it's got rock and roll <laughs> in it. And, and you know, sure. uh, it's got sexy people in it. And, uh, you know. But that's not what makes you stay. Right. You know, what makes you stay is the community, the, the, the people that you meet who, who really do embrace you and accept you for who you are. Where else do you get that? Some people don't get that in their families. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. they don't get it in school. They don't get it in life. They don't get it at work. But if you go to the Rocky Horror Show on the weekend, you're welcome. And mm-hmm. the, you can you can do pretty much whatever you want. And, and that's an extension of the you. arts. I mean, that's something that we've all come to the arts for. And, Michael, you spoke very eloquently on this in the past, that it does provide a family. Artistic expression gives you a chance to say who you are, be who you are, and find people who accept you mm-hmm. for that, which is really mm-hmm. what the arts should be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, so, and so it's lasted, and it continues to this day. There are Rocky Horror casts all over the country. There, there's there's a there's a Rocky Horror cast in Hobart, Indiana. They call themselves Help Me, Mommy. They're hilarious. Uh, there's another. There's there's at least three casts just in Chicago alone. Now, do you have any idea on the total number across the country? Oh, I don't know, I mean, but it's I'm got to be in the thousands. Right? I can tell you that when we went to the convention in New York, half of them showed up, and we filled an entire ballroom of, of people <laughs> and various casts from all over. And not just wow. in this country, they have casts all around the world. They have cast in Germany. They get, throw a throw a dart at the world map, and you'll hit a Rocky horror show somewhere in the world south Amazing. america wow. uh, everywhere uh, and it endures to this day and they still do the live show uh they just did uh, richard o'brien himself uh just for this over this past uh year did the rocky horror show in london again uh wow. yeah well People, wasn't it uh, or did it go on tour though for its 40th anniversary uh, I don't believe it toured in America, uh, although, uh, I mean, it's in the zeitgeist right now because it's the 40th anniversary. It was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Wow. Uh, they, they got a cast reunion. They had Sarandon and Bostwick and Tim Curry <laughs> and, and Meatloaf and Patricia Quinn. Uh, it's And Fox Television has just announced they're doing a remake of it. Wow. Uh, did you see this? With, uh, they're going to do Laverne Cox is going to play Frankenfurter in it. And uh, there's a real divide. I'll tell you, in the Rocky community about this. Some people are like, why would you ruin this wonderful... Why would you try to remake... It's like remaking Casablanca or whatever the most beloved film of all time is. Why would you try and do that? But uh, I I think they might get paid to do it. (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. Well, you know, but I mean, it's a little... It it better be... Good, better than what NBC's been trying to do because they have never made the mark as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Yeah. The musicals that they brought back on television as live musicals. Fox is going to be a live musical as well? I don't know if they're doing it live. Uh, they might, I, I, I don't know the details because uh, every time I, I go to click on it, I go, no, no, I can't, no. <laughs> but uh, it, it, all I know is uh, they've, they've got the cast now. They were announcing the Brad and the Janet and the Riff Raff just this mm-hmm. past week. And uh, uh, it, it, it should be fast. I'll watch it. I mean, I gotta watch it. I have to see what they do with it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is Rocky Horror is is enjoying a resurgence right now because of the 40th anniversary, and uh, and we're we're getting a little of the blowback from that, which is awesome. Cool. Uh, we're we're uh, Ron and I uh, had had a blast in New York, and uh, I'm out here now, sort of promoting the book, and uh, it's been an it's an amazing, it's been an amazing ride, I have to say. 
And do you want to tell people uh, uh, where they can get this lovely book? Yes. You can uh, go to our website and link to it. It's rockyconfessions.com. Uh, you can, of course, buy it on Amazon. Uh, you can get the audio book, which I recorded uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, you can get that through Audible, of course. You can get it to Kindle through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you really want to see especially if you read the book, you go to uh, rockyconfessions.com and you can see pictures of all the people that uh, we talk about in the, in the book, all our friends from back there because there are no pictures in the book we want you to sort of picture what we all look like That's in your great. mind yeah ah, but uh, yeah it's uh we we're, we're very proud of it uh, uh we we were not expecting it to do as well as it has done and uh and i'm I, i'm eternally grateful to ron for for pushing me to to sit down and write it with him because it's it's been an incredible experience wow well that's amazing and and uh, i always am, am in awe of people who can sit down and write a book you know it's not easy I agree. And I it agree. takes how, how long did this take you to write? Uh, three minutes. They actually us, wrote it in three minutes. It was yeah. very very fast. Yeah. The audiobook very short. <laughs> no, <laughs> we got a thousand monkeys and they typed for fifty million years. Uh. No, it, it all in all, it took Ron and I about six months to write it My end goodness. to end, and, and then uh, then of course you have to go back and edit it. Oh, I, I don't believe that at all. I think that uh, <laughs> I can't believe that you're believing a word that this guy is telling. Who is this Kevin man hijacking this? What? Ra- this is, this is a serious a serious radio show. We don't have time for these crank calls. Who is this? Is this Paul Stroller? Kevin Tice Kevin owes me $84 for 22 years now. Yep. And, uh, is there any interest on that, I Paul? <laughs> I'm holding it. How y'all doing? Doing great, Paul. Excellent. How's the weather back there? Are you staying warm? Um, how y'all doing? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you how the weather is back there. The high is 41 and the low is 37 degrees. Oh my, it won't even get that low tonight I, for here. So. I was at, I was at a, uh, I was at a restaurant earlier today and I actually posted this on Facebook, but I was, uh, in a restaurant and the, the conversation that took place and it was 39 degrees outside. And the conversation that took place at the table next to me was as follows. One person said, are you going to have the mac and cheese? And the second person said, ah, it's too hot for mac and cheese. I'll have the Cobb salad. Yeah. <laughs> That's Chicago. Yeah. So Ain't anyway, no I, wanted to, I wanted to chime in, but I just want to chime in because I know we're coming to the end of the show. I don't want to eat into Kevin's time. Uh, Kevin, one of my, my oldest and dearest friends, but I do want to be here to hear his uh, tale, tale of woe. Yes. I want yes. to listen into this. Yeah. And I have to split afterwards because I, I, I don't know if you know this. I'm staying at Paul's apartment while I'm here in L.A. He's very what time is the party graciously. tonight? What time should we be there? Well, I, I really should get back because there was a small fire I need to put out. And it's, it's probably getting pretty big by now. I, I really should go. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You can see the flames. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. It's my happy place. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Kevin, it's great to have you here. What a pleasure. Paul, would you do us a favor? Would you ask this man to embarrass himself a little bit? Do you mind doing that? No. I don't mind at all. Oh, Kevin, no, it is time for what we button the show with always, the tale of woe. Something that went wrong during performance or uh, while filming. Something that basically makes you look foolish but makes us laugh. So <laughs> yeah. it's... Uh, what do you uh, got? All right. I got a good one. I got a good one. I was doing a show that you are intimately familiar with, Paul. It was called A Christmas Twist. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it, it, was with a, uh, it was actually a remount of the show. It was such a big success when Paul originally did it. I think you did it out here, too, didn't I? I'm, I'm sure, Paul, right? 
Yes, we yes. did it out here, and I, I directed it. For yes. Yes. yes, so I was doing the remount in Chicago, and I was playing the Mr. Bumble character, and there's a moment where uh, uh, I get killed, and I roll to the edge of the stage, and I'm dead, but I'm facing upstage. <laughs> and you never want that to happen to, to, with another actor, because I used to make faces at the, uh, you know, I make ridiculous dead faces <laughs> to make the other, uh, the, uh, the other actors laugh, and it got, that got boring, so I started bringing things out in my pocket, and I would take them out and sort of play with it, but so I would have like a, I would put a clown nose on, literally, and I was just, all I was doing was messing with the other actors on stage, right? So I would, I brought a, I, I brought a little wind-up horse one time, and I put it down and sort of across the stage, they were like, what are you, what's the matter with you? And they really, they couldn't help but look. So one time I found one of those little, you remember little speaking spells where you didn't know how to, you didn't know how to, you didn't know how to. still uses one to this day to write his stuff, absolutely. So if you don't know how to spell a word, it's old Texas Instruments, you type it in, you know, and it was big, it was a big clunky thing, bigger than a calculator, and I slip it in my pocket, and I go out on stage, and I think this will be funny, I'll pull it out when I die, and I'll be typing, and they'll look down or whatever, that'll be hilarious. So there's a moment, when I die, I had to jump into this guy's arms, and they would catch me, and I would say my last words, and they would drop me to the stage, and I'd roll to the the stage so I, I i get stabbed and i jump up into this guy's arms and this thing flew out of my pocket <laughs> and landed on the stage with the biggest thud you ever was a boom and everybody everybody stopped and looked down at the stage like what the hell was that and they see that it's this typewriter thing and they immediately knew what i had been planning to do and everyone went up for grabs we all just started laughing and my friend my friend my friend joe wyckoff is in the house watching the show he's an understudy in the show and he said it was the weirdest thing because no one in the audience was laughing they were all leaning forward like what just happened and every nobody on stage could get a line out for like five minutes because we were just losing it and i was like oh god so i wasn't allowed to do that anymore yeah and they started working in the round from there on oh, out. <laughs> so bad. Oh, they well, killed um, me for that. Kev, Kevin, uh, if I remember correctly, we did a production, uh, let me see if I have this right, but we did a production of Taming of the Shrew in Chicago, and the Cubs were in the playoffs yes. at the time. Yes. And we had the guy who was, who was watching the show, because it's like the first show within a show, and he would sit in front of the, at the front of the stage facing us, not the audience, and didn't, didn't you wire him up so he could, like, flash yeah. us the score? No, it was the other way around. It was the other way around. He was trying to wire himself up, and the stage manager caught him. He was trying to, like, take a pair of headphones from a transistor radio. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> and uh, and he was going to listen to the game while he sat there because he had nothing to do for 45 minutes. The stage manager said, no, 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 you're not listening to the game down there. So I said, okay, I will flash you the score uh, as, as it goes along. Unfortunately, the Cubs got creamed by the Giants 11-3 to that night. So I'm, I'm going I'm – <laughs> I, you can't see him going five five one on the hand and then three and he comes back in intermission and he goes it is not eleven to three <laughs> yes it is I'm sorry that's the bad news I hey Paul it's great to hear your voice hey, yeah Paul what a nice surprise Kevin thank you so oh, much it's, ladies and gentlemen so good to sorry I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead Paul please you say it's so good too. No, I was just going to say it's so good to uh, sort of quasi uh, be there. Uh, Kevin is uh, 
is uh, really taking L.A. by storm. Uh, with, uh, he's only been there a couple of weeks, and he's being embraced in all sorts of different ways, creatively and, and uh, with all the friends that he has. And uh, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, all kidding aside. He's uh, one of the most tenacious, hardworking guys I know, and he deserves every success. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Can oh, I thank agree? you, Paul. Absolutely. I, I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me. I really the book can. is called Confessions of a Transylvanian. I encourage you to look it up. It's a great read. And, Paul, thank you for coming home for a little bit, even if it was just via the phone. Absolutely. Oh, nice being there. And congratulations on such a lovely interview with with Claire. Yeah. It was really interesting. Thank you. It was great, except for the fact that I had some form of interview Tourette's, because I probably said the word right 6,000 times. Right? Actually, it was a little more than that. They were going to say right. Look, it's a casting director. Just agree with her. You'll be in good shape. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is State of the Arts. I'm Andrew James. And I'm Michael Sterling. See you on the radio next week. Okay, thank you, my dear Andrew. Irreverent, entertaining. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley. Right here on LA Talk Radio. 